0: Hello and thank you for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church Maryville here in Maryville, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can visit our website to find out more information about our church or to find our full audio archive with all of our messages. So you can find all of that at www.vineyardchurch.us or you can also subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. Before we begin... Please note that this episode relies heavily on some visual elements that Aaron references throughout the message. We recommend watching the service video at Vimeo.com/VineyardChurchTN. That's Vimeo, V-I-M-E-O, dot com VineyardChurchTN. The link will also be in the show notes for today. Now here's Aaron. All right, all right. Good morning, Vineyard family. Hello. How you guys doing? I'm all right. Okay. Good to see you. Uh, really glad that you're here. My name is Aaron. I am the pastor here. Uh, I'm going to get into some teaching here in just a minute, but before I want to introduce you to someone, uh, Zach, uh, will you come on up? Um, uh, before service, Zach said, do you want me to come on stage for this? And I said, nah, and then it didn't feel right. So um, uh, next week, we will really introduce you to our new kids pastor and his family, and we'll make a whole thing of it. But this week, it's just Zach, okay? Because his family's not here yet. Um, But I'm still really fired up that he's here. So everybody say, hey, Zach. And if you would, would you stretch a hand this way? I just want to take a minute to pray for him and his family with all this transition. God, thank you so much for what you are doing in the life of our church. Thank you, God, that After a long search, Lord, uh, you have brought us the next leader for our children's ministry, God. I pray that you would bless him, that you would bless his family, um, that you would um, just walk with them as they go through lots of change and transition and a move from another state, God, just a lot going on with that, Lord. I just ask that you would bless them, preserve them, encourage them, strengthen them, Lord. And I just ask that Zach would find um, just just a fresh, new anointing on his ministry. He's done ministry for a long time, but now this is something new and something fresh. And so, Lord, I just ask for a fresh outpouring of your spirit on uh, to him. So, God, um, uh, just be with him, uh, and thank you, God, for bringing him to us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. One more time. Say, hey, Zach. Zach. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Get out of here, man. All right. (laughs) Uh, He's going back to hang out with the kids because that's what he does. Not get out of here like we're done. Um, anyway, uh, one more thing before I jump in, our youth group is heading to youth camp this week. So this is our own camp. Seventy some odd of our of kids from all from our church are all going up to Eagle Rock this week. And historically, this has just been a really significant week in our lives, uh, in the in the lives of our kids, um, and in our church as well. So uh, we really, really want you to pray, really, really really, really, really want you to pray for um, our kids and the leaders that are all going to be there. Maybe extra for the leaders who are all going to be there uh, through the week. Just that God would come and power and just do beautiful things and transform kids' lives. So um, I have every single confidence that every single one of you will definitely remember to pray for our kids. But just in case, on your way out, you will find a table at the entrance with a big basket, and it's got different car- a bunch of different cards with names, a name of a kid who's going to be at camp. And we would love for you, on your way out, every person, to grab one of these. I know there's more of us than there are of them. There are duplicates in there. Grab a card and pray for that kid, that leader, by name, all week long. If you know who they are or not, just spend time in prayer asking that God would um, just change and transform their lives this week, Okay? All right, right on. Very good. Okay, um, we're going to jump into the message here. Uh, first, let me just say one more prayer, and we'll get right to work. Jesus, oh, we love you so much. Thank you for what you are doing in our church. Lots of, lots of cool, encouraging things, God, as we uh, just seek your heart and your will. And um, Father, I just ask that during this time that we've got set aside here, I mean, we've gone to all the trouble To be here in this place (laughs) and to hear from you and your word, I I ask that our minds would stay really focused uh, as we cover a lot of sort of abstract concepts that might be sort of hard to track with. Um, Help us to really engage and focus, lean in, as I like to say, and um, receive God, whatever it is that you have for us and not to miss it. So God, would you let your kingdom come and your will be done in this room, even as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. All right, all right. I'm really glad you're here this week. Uh, it's an important Sunday. We're, we're going to do some important work here in the next few weeks. And this series is starting a new series today called Uprising, or the longer title, The Coming Uprising of Devotion, Power, and Hope. Um, and I, I think this is going to shape a lot of things for us as we move forward as a church. I want to give a caveat first before I really say anything at all. I was thinking about this and I decided that if I were a truly, like genuinely capable sociologist, historian, statistician, is that how you say it? I can't even say it. Stat person, uh, Bible scholar, and prophet, um, then I would be perfectly qualified to teach this series. And then I checked my resume and I was over five. <laughs> I'm over I'm five. Um, but here's the thing, we, we are going to forge ahead anyway because I can honestly say, and I'm not trying to be dramatic, I'm just telling you the truth, I have just never felt so compelled by the Lord to teach something. Uh, I, I kind of feel pressed into service here, and that's a good thing, it's a good thing. Um, again, I said it once, I'll say it again, I'm sure I'll say it many more times, I am not, hear me, I'm not a prophet, Okay. But this series where we're headed, it's got a, it's, it has a genuine prophetic edge to it. It, just, it has a prophetic edge to it. There's some stuff that is for us, that is for here, that is for now, that is for us, that is from the Lord. I'm, I'm just convinced of that here in the coming weeks. Um, now, please understand, this is very important. I am not saying that so that you won't scrutinize what I say. I am saying that so that you will. Okay? And that's very important for you to hear. Historically, when people kind of play the thus saith the Lord card, okay, um, when they do that, it has been so that people will not question them. Um, the problem with that, does anybody know the problem with that? The, the Bible. The Bible is the problem with that the bible says that prophetic messages are to be tested that the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets that these things are to be scrutinized more not less okay so there's that and uh and i'm not a prophet but there's this prophetic edge so that's challenging and worse still <laughs> i'm just gonna can i be i'm just being honest here i'm vulnerable with is, it, is this a safe place i mean i feel loved um, so am I, are we okay uh okay um here's the tricky part um, I'm going to preach for several weeks in this series, and I—I <laughs> I honestly don't know which parts of what I'm going to say are from the Lord, which parts are just my own musings, <laughs> which are things that, you know, are maybe lifted from things that I've read either consciously or, or unconsciously. I'm sort of pulling from other places. Like, I, I don't even—I'm not even sure. So I want to paint. I'm not, guys, I'm not descending from the mountaintop, my face aglow, tablets in hand, okay? (laughs) This ain't that. I want to be very clear. But this is something different. The short version of the story goes like this. And you're like, sure, short version. No, long version would take an afternoon. Short version of the story goes like this. I spent a morning... Uh, working on the preaching calendar where I plan what I'm going to preach and when I'm going to preach it. And I was just really wrestling with whether or not I would preach this series now or if I would just kind of put it on ice for a while and leave it to the side, okay? Um, And then I got a text message from God. No, from a friend. I got a text message from a friend. And then that text message got my mind racing. And it led to the Lord giving me an the interpretation for a series of prophetic dreams that I'd had, okay? And if you've been at this church since the very beginning, you've never heard me say a sentence like that, by the way, a series of prophetic dreams. You've never, that's, you're like, what? What's going on? I, whatever, I'm not even going to tell them to you. But all of that pointed directly to this series. And then I had by far the most intense encounter with the Holy Spirit I've ever had over the course of the next couple hours. And it's not its not close. So, um, again, there's a long version. The short one is this. It was good. It was pure love. I was unafraid. And somehow, at the same time, I was certain that I was going to die. Like, it was all at once. Um, I, <laughs> I know that doesn't make sense. But it was just such a profound experience with the Lord, I've just never anything, just never anything close to that. Um, And I was, in a very real way, in that moment, as I was wrestling with whether or not I was going to teach this series, I felt genuinely immobilized, or I was physically immobilized by the Lord. Um, And I stayed that way until I told the Lord explicitly that I would teach this series as planned, and until I said it out loud to someone else and, like, someone who could keep me accountable and make sure that I actually would do it. I had to, I had to commit to the Lord and to someone I trusted. Um, and I was, like, a sort of an emotional wreck in the process. It was a very weird experience. If you want to hear a weird story, ask Johnny. Uh, he'll tell you about the weird time I came b- barreling into his office uh, with something I had to say from the Lord. So, um, and then once I... T- confirmed in my heart that I would do it and, that, uh, um, and then shared it with Johnny uh, in a very real way it relented. Like, it, like like the Lord at that point let me go. Alright? That's full on weird. I know. Okay. Um, now I'm going to say this one more time. I am not telling you those, those things um, so that you will just accept everything that I say. I am telling you those things so that you won't. I want you to to carefully weigh what is said in the next few weeks. I want you to do it more and not less because, here's what I'm convinced of, somewhere in between Aaron's fearful, hopeful ramblings, somewhere in between that and the mix of things that I think in my own highly limited brain or the stuff that I read or the conclusions I've drawn or I'm sort of surmising along the way, somewhere in all of that, there are going to be a few things I think that are genuinely from the Lord and for this church and we just can't miss it. We just can't miss it. Okay, enough preamble. Jeepers, let's get started. Um, I'm going to begin with some uh, historical and some sociological stuff. Stuff, as I said, I'm not really qualified to share. But um, I I read smart people, and maybe they kind of lead the way. There is a well-established pattern, both in history uh, and in Scripture, of what happens in a society when there is a genuine move of God. When there was a genuine outpouring of his spirit. And uh, we're going to demonstrate some of these things. Um, the first I want to sort of think of as a wave, okay? So we're going to look at waves. The first is, a wave one here, is the rise of Christianity. And we've seen this in different places all around the world and throughout church history where there is a genuine outpouring of God's Spirit, and then in a society, in a a place, there's this rapid and beautiful ascent of Christianity where people in large quantities come to know Jesus, and it's this transforming thing. When there is an outpouring of God's Spirit like that, and there is a rise of Christianity in a place, there are certain markers that go with it, okay? Um, The first thing that I think, and it's a longer list than the one that I'll give, but here's some that really stand out first, and I think... Really, right at the top here is the people of God in times like this are marked by just incredible and full on countercultural love of their neighbor. Okay? Just like ridiculous, over the top sacrificial love and servanthood to people, to anyone. And then what then happens is that fuels, that fuels evangelism, and then people repent. The Bible says the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. And repentance means um, that these people will then turn away from one way of life and then choose to follow Jesus in devotion with their whole hearts, with their whole everything. They genuinely turn away from one way of living and go the way of Jesus. Genuine repentance. Another thing that is marked by these seasons where there's a rise in Christianity um, is there is an explosion of worship and of prayer. Um, It becomes this... It becomes the default setting of Christians in a time where the Spirit's moving. It's how you feel the cracks of time. It's when you have a few minutes, that's what you do. You worship or you pray. Or when you, when you can possibly carve out a few minutes, you're carving it out so that you can worship and so that you can pray. People get caught up in the enthusiasm and that word... Well, I won't break down that word. It's a God word. Um, breaks down. i got to stay on my notes. Um, people get caught in the beauty of what God is doing and they engage in worship in, in new ways, and they, in, in prayer, or they're committed to, in new ways. Another thing that happens when there's a rise of Christianity like this, it is just marked by outpourings of the Holy Spirit and His power. Things like healing, things like prophecy, signs and wonders, these things all get cranked up significantly. Again, this is throughout church history, all around the globe, we've seen this happen again and again. And again, another marker, and then we'll, we'll, we'll move on here, but one more marker, is there's remarkable unity within the church. Like, what happens is, uh, the main thing stays the main thing, all right? So two Christians are maybe in love, but kind of bickering about, you know, this theological nuance versus this theological nuance, and then, you know, one of them says, yes, we don't agree, but I really love Jesus, and there's a whole bunch of people who don't yet know the love of Jesus. Let's go tell them about Jesus, and they say, agreed, onward. And they disagree, but they keep the main thing, the main thing. That's something that marks genuine moves of Christianity. All right, now, what happens in a place where there's a rise of Christianity? That's the first wave, and it is then followed by a second wave. And this is very, uh, you got to really engage, it's important you understand this word. For the next several weeks you need to understand this word. What follows the rise of Christianity is the rise of Christendom. You may or may not have ever heard that word. Christendom is not Christianity. Christendom is the culture that arises within a primarily Christian society. Okay? It's kind of what happens. When when you're in a place, and a lot of people are Christians in that place, then a Christian worldview starts to take root and begins to emerge, and that Christian worldview starts to emerge even among people who are not believers. So, for example, like, I mean, uh, America has been a Christendom society, and so um, chances are, if someone's never even been to church, you ask them, about God, they have some ideas about God, and chances are what they're going to default to is what the Bible teaches about God. Because this is the culture that they've been in. They've been raised in a Christendom society. The fundamental values that we all hold dear, things that seem really universal to us, that seem like the most basic sort of one-on-one types of things, things like, and don't miss this, things like valuing human life. Things like not killing and stealing. Things like sacrificing to help the weak and the vulnerable. Giving people a hand up even when it costs you. These values, we would call these like basic human decency 101. They're kind of laid out in the Ten Commandments. Here's the thing. Those values that seem universal to us, they were really, really sparse. The world over, to say the least throughout all of human history, until the emergence of Christendom. Okay? The ideas of, like, valuing human life, that, like, well, I'll put it this way. Christendom, which arose out of the emergence of Christianity, took basic human decency mainstream. Does that make sense? It wasn't mainstream before that. Okay? So, in a Christendom society, Christian values lead the culture on a lot of levels, and even non-Christians end up getting, almost by osmosis, something of a Christian worldview. Like, you don't have to believe in Jesus to have In God We Trust written on your currency, right? It's something that's sort of built into our culture, okay? So, the wave of Christianity, uh, or the rise of Christianity leads to a second wave, which is the rise of Christendom leads to a third wave, which is the growth of society. Um, the well-being of a place, So Christianity raises out of that, a culture of Christendom emerges, and then from that culture, things tend to go well. As you've heard me say a bunch of times along the way, uh, Jesus and what he teaches is the ultimate truth of the universe. And when we run against the grain of that, things don't typically go really well for us. But when we go with the grain of that, it's sort of a lubricant. Things tend to go better when we align our lives with the ultimate truth And the ultimate reality in the world, which is the way of Jesus. And the truth that we find in scripture. When an entire society begins to do that, in some measure, as it happens in Christendom, then what happens to us on an individual level, which is when we give our lives to Jesus, things tend to go better. It happens on a societal level. When more Christian values work their way into a society, things tend to go better. And here's what we have seen all throughout history is that in Christendom societies, there has been massive, massive advancements in every field. In every field. Guys, the way that Jesus taught us to live, it's more than this, but it includes this. It's just really good advice. It's just a better, more loving, more fruitful way to be human. And as a direct result christendom which emerges out of christianity has led to flourishing throughout the world and there's just nothing like it brilliant discoveries are made seemingly unsolvable problems get solved quality of life goes up suffering goes down well-being goes up extreme poverty goes down Arts and sciences flourish across the board, and they could just go on and on and on. Most of the greatest advancements in this world in the last 2,000 years have emerged from Christendom again and again and again. Now, not necessarily all these discoveries and advancements made by Christians, but from people, Christian or not, who emerge and benefit from a Christendom society. Things go well when you live in a society when you're not going against the grain. All right, um, I'm going to pause. I'm going to check in with you. Please be responsive. You with me? Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. I don't want to over-explain, but I don't want to leave anybody behind either. Okay. Now, I want to pause here. I want to make a very important part point. Christendom is good. It's good. But Christendom is not the point. And Christendom isn't always good. It's not always good. Christendom, like any other dominant ideology, here's what happens, it amasses incredible power, incredible social influence, it establishes institutions, and those things aren't always managed well. Because as we know, power corrupts, right? Power corrupts, and institutions go sideways And influence gets abused. These things happen. And then people, unfortunately, we could all tell stories, people do weird and sometimes full-on despicable things in an attempt to hold on to power. Okay? Christendom is not exempt from any of those things. We are, the mission of our church is joining God in the renewal of all things which means we care about and we celebrate the flourishing and the advancements in human lives that emerges from Christendom because we care about people's well-being. But do not get it twisted. Christendom is not the point and it is not the source of anything. Christendom is just, it's a result. It's an outcome, okay? Christendom is not Christianity. It isn't always right. It is profoundly corruptible. All that is good about Christendom has emerged from wave number one from Christianity and all that is bad about Christendom is a distortion of wave number one which is Christianity and it gets distorted it gets distorted mostly at the hands of people who are obsessed with power but also at the hands of cultural Christians who aren't really devoted to Jesus and maybe don't even know him at all. But they wave the flag and therefore they don't represent Christ well. The fact is, and this is a a thing to say in the Bible, well, there are lots of people who think that they have been born again when in reality they've just been born into Christendom. And they don't know the difference. More on that stuff later. That's a good pivot point. We're going to shift here. um, Because it's, Time to talk about the bad stuff. Welcome to church. Glad you're here. Um, waves come up and waves come down. Huh? That's, that's how waves work. Uh, if you've ever read the Bible, then you know that over the course of generations, we, uh, we human types tend to falter in our devotion to God. Just as we have seen Christian societies emerge, we have then seen post-Christian societies emerge. So the second half of wave one is when people lose sight of their priorities. They lose the plot, right? We lose the plot. And we falter in our devotion to the Lord. And then over time, when that happens on a large scale, um, we begin as a society to undermine the values that led to the emergence of Christianity in the first place. So the things that, re- the ri- that lead to the rise of Christianity, they fade way off into the background. Things like, I'll remind you of the list, repentance. We genuinely turn away from our sin and toward the Lord. Unity, where we keep the main thing, the main thing. An, a reliance upon the Holy Spirit's power. Radical, over-the-top, sacrificial love of neighbor those things in time begin to fade and over the course of generations, Christianity declines. Okay? All right, now next. Just as the rise of Christianity leads ultimately to the rise of Christendom, okay, eventually, eventually, the decline of Christianity leads to the decline of Christendom. Okay? These things get spread out. You know, like this isn't chronological, of course, or to scale, but these things are separated, the waves are separated, because it takes a while for a Christendom culture to emerge. It takes a while for these things to develop over over time. Cultures don't shift overnight, but what happens is over the course of many years, um, this begins to occur. And and finally, um, just as the rise of Christendom leads to the rise of societal well-being, eventually, The decline of Christendom leads to the decline of society. Make sense? Okay. Now, stay with me just a bit more here. Um, By just a bit more, I mean all the rest of the time that I talk and who knows. Uh, (laughs) uh, um, But I, I am leaning in here for real. I'm about to say something very, very important. And before I say it, guys, it's okay. All right? series is called Uprising, not Downfall. Deep breath. Christianity has been in decline in the United States for quite a long time now. It just has. Here's the thing. For sure, longer than I've been alive, and maybe longer than any of us have been alive, it's been in decline. Now, On a national level, on a broad scale, we have seen some responses to this. You know, like, well, let's not just sit by and watch Christianity and decline. There's been attempts to to turn it around, to maybe you've heard this, to take America back for God, things like that. Okay? Now, here's the thing there's been some really good and beautiful God breathed stuff that has come out of things like that. when those movements hit some sort of a scale, they tend to get corrupted. And there has been a major flaw in these responses that have hit, at least the ones that have hit a national level. Okay? And here's what the flaw has been. Very, 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 very important. Ultimately, those responses that take America back for God's stuff, they were not about the re-emergence of Christianity, but instead... They were about the desperate attempt to protect Christendom. To prop up and to preserve a cultural reality. And as we said, Christendom is not the point. Even though there were many sincere people involved in these movements, I have a number in my mind sort of bouncing around, like sincere people Like who are really seeking the Lord, God did beautiful things. I'm not trying to undercut any of that. It did not change the fact that at the heart of, ultimately, before it all came down, at the heart of movements like the Moral majority or the Christian right, for example, there was a desperate attempt to hold on to societal and institutional power, money, and influence, all of which are in decline because Christendom is in decline. Now, I know I just said a couple words that go adjacent to politics. That wasn't an accident. Stay with me, I'll be very clear. I'm not attacking the Christian right. I'm not even close, not even anything close to that. Listen, Christian and right. Um, obviously, I'm like so strongly in favor of you being a Christian, okay? I'm willing to push pretty hard in that direction. Be a Christian. And if your politics put you on the right, then great, be on the right. That's fine and good. I so profoundly don't care that it's probably a character flaw. Like, because because people care, and I should care that people care, and I just don't give a rip. I don't care. So please don't think that I'm making a political statement. If you do, then you are definitely 100% all the way missing the whole entire point. On the contrary, what I'm doing is begging us to see that the church should be about Christianity not about christendom which is why as the people of god our work should never be hijacked by politics Amen. Amen. there we go love you guys I'm not making a political statement i'm actually saying that the church needs to get the heck out of politics and go back to our first love which is jesus jesus what yeah let's do it Usually I'm like, when you clap, I'm like, stop. But at this moment, I was pretty scared about that moment. So I'm like, yeah, bring it on. <laughs> Jesus is the point. And Jesus, I would like to remind you, was surrounded by people who full on demanded again and again and again that he get into politics and he refused every single one of them every single time. And here's what I see. And, and I know if you you see it too. And you see it too. In a thousand ways, I see people trying to create fear among believers, saying, we used to have more power. We used to have more influence. We used to be at the culture, or pardon me, at the heart of culture and at the heart of education. We used to be better represented in government. And now we're losing our power, and so we should panic about that. That's the message. Please, do not fall for that. Please do not. And again, don't care how you vote. And I'll say this, I don't mind saying this. as a political statement. I would love for us to elect into every single office sincere, heartfelt Christians in every spot. That'd be great, okay? But let me be clear about this. We don't get that by playing politics. We get that the same way that we get anything that's worthwhile, by living in full devotion to God and helping people know and follow Jesus. That's how. So, please, see this. If your hope, and you go, oh, no, 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 it's not, but maybe give it a second. Ask yourself. If your hope is in Christendom, all right, a cultural, societal reality, if your hope is in Christendom, if it is into, if your hope is in holding on to cultural influence, if your hope is in the money, power, institutional control that comes to Christians when Christianity is the dominant worldview, if that's your hope, then yes, by all means, panic. (laughs) You should. In fact, you're late. You should have panicked a long, long time ago. You should full on all the way, lose it. Just that's where you're at. Because, and I'll, 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 I'll quote the Pope on this one, actually. This is what um, Pope Frank said to uh, the leadership of the Catholic Church December 2019, not too long ago. He said this, Christendom no longer exists. Um, it happened first in Europe Um, and then it happened in the U.S. And here's the thing. I don't know this, uh, but it might actually be true that the Bible Belt South held on to it longer than anywhere else. But it's gone here too. Guys, I love you. It's gone here too. Um, The final blow to Christendom in Europe was World War I. In some parts of the United States, Christendom started to decline in the fallout from the 1960s. That's kind of where it gets placed. In the Bible Belt, and this is Aaron's sociology, but here's my take. In the Bible Belt, it was the combination of social unrest and COVID-19, death nail. And now, as Christendom continues to decline, our society is increasingly showing its fragility, Okay, We've come a good long way from the peak. And now what, these are not exact charts, uh, but what I'm start, you are here. Thank you. Dotted blue line. I'm not trying to be scientific here, but we are starting to see, I I think, uh, some decline as a nation. Um, We have been, as a nation, increasingly going against the grain of the ultimate truths in the universe, and as such, our society is starting to decline. Okay, So, look, folks, again, if your hope is in a thriving society, you also may go ahead and panic now. It's time. If your hope is in Christendom, you should have panicked a long, long time ago. However, if your hope is in Jesus, you should be absolutely bursting with anticipation. And this is why. Waves. Waves. We're starting to see a decline um, in society. The third wave. And uh, so that puts us, I get to use my little dot. You guys know it makes me real happy when I use the dot. We're, we're starting to see the decline of society and that puts us here, right? <clears throat> but as we consider the state of genuine, committed faith in Jesus, not the cultural stuff, okay? Not not the Christendom stuff, not the people who check the Christian box on the survey because they're convinced grandma's looking down on them or something, or, you know, like, but they actually have no relationship with Jesus, okay? Um, But in terms of genuine devotion to Christ, if we're experiencing this here, then we're here. We're a long way from here. And we're here. So why the optimism? I just said we should be bursting with anticipation. (laughs) Uh, And it sure seems like I've gone to great pains to tell you that the sky is falling. I I get that. Um, But what do waves do? They rise they fall, and then they what? They rise again. Um, You you can take my word for it about the wave thing, um, but I'd rather you do this. You could read the Old Testament. Either way, I'm telling you, this is how it works. We turn from the Lord, and then, critical moment, when we start to feel the pain of those choices, Which God, in his mercy, these things are often separated by quite a lot of time. He's very kind. He lets us run astray for a long time before we start to feel the pain. But when we start to feel the pain of those choices, human beings do this the world over and throughout history, then we turn back. We are starting to feel the pain of those choices in our country. The pundits will tell you then that it is now time to panic And to put all of our desperate efforts into propping up what is left of Christendom. I'm telling you, that's wrong. We don't serve Christendom, we serve Jesus. We don't need to prop up Christendom. We need a new outpouring of God's spirit on his people. And from that, a new uprising of genuine discipleship. But For that to happen, to turn back to the Lord... Look again to the power of God. Not looking backwards to try to prop up the thing that's crumbling. We're not going backwards. But to carry us forward. A new wave. A new uprising. Back to the title of the series. A new uprising of devotion, power, and hope. And by the way, when I say power, I don't mean political power. I don't mean money or influence. I mean the power of the Holy Spirit that always accompanies a great move of God. The real message of Jesus is very important. It was never about building empires. It was never about building an earthly empire. And the church, unfortunately, throughout history, loses sight of that all of the time. And throughout, if you survey church history and look for the absolute worst moments, it is when the church has been overly caught up and fascinated with building empires, the very thing that Jesus refused to do. And in turn, we forget the true ethic of Jesus, which is this, not consolidation of power. It's this, the last will be first. The first will be last. Jesus looked his apprentices in the eye and said, you must be last of all and servant of all. That's the opposite of trying to hold on to institutional power through cultural establishment. It's the opposite. Jesus said this to a handful of his followers, and they were just silly enough to believe him, and then in turn they went and turn the world upside down with a revolution of love, the likes of which no one had ever even conceived of before. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Have the faith to believe that if the empire of Christendom has fallen, it's actually a good thing. If God is finally getting the church out of the empire-building business, and back into the business of loving our neighbors, relying on the Spirit's power, following Him no matter what, what that means is we are finally in a position to see what we've gone our entire lives without seeing, which is a true uprising. All we've ever known is this, decline. Now we're finally positioned for this, uprising. That make sense? If you say yes, I'll invite David up and wrap this thing up. <laughs> Man, that's good enough. Now, look, I just want to maybe acknowledge an elephant in the room. Um, <clears throat> I realize I haven't even, we haven't even cracked open our Bibles yet this morning. <laughs> and that's way outside of the norm. Um, and that should be a flag. Be like, wait a minute. Um, that should be a flag. It's okay. Uh, believe it or not, this was an introduction to our study of the book of Haggai, um, which we are going to be walking through chapter and verse beginning next week, okay? So if you're concerned about that, you should be concerned about that. Sermon should, have, should be based on scripture. This is an introduction to Haggai um, because where we are now in many ways mirrors, it parallels what was happening in Jerusalem at that time. Which is this, the people of God had lost their way, they did not listen to the prophets, they built empires, as a result, their way of life crumbled. And then, finally, they were taken into exile, into Babylon. And after years in exile, the Persians took over, and they told them that they could go back to Jerusalem. They're like, enough with the exile, you can go home. And the really weird thing is, only a tiny percentage of the Israelites went home. Most of them just stayed in a foreign land, content to just keep going with the flow of a pagan culture. And their love and their devotion to Yahweh was just long forgotten. And so what they were left with was a remnant. A small percentage of people who went back to restore and to bring about something new and something good. I believe that our church is being invited to be a remnant. Stop the empire building. Stop fretting about Christendom. And look ahead to the new uprising. Next week we'll start studying what they did, how that informs where we are now, where God is leading us next, I think. Okay? All right, we're going to have Selah as we do every week, a moment or two to reflect and pray and on our own. Maybe in this time we can focus on, maybe there's a part of the sermon that really stood out to me or to you. Um, And if so, you should focus your heart there. But I, I want to maybe just raise the possibility for you to consider it now. Is there a chance that you have bought into the lies that says we need to panic about propping up Christendom and allowing that fear to begin to increasingly govern your days. I know people who watch the news and spend their whole day panicked that Christendom is falling. They they think, they think it's about devotion to Christ, but actually it's about a societal reality. And I just believe the Lord wants to free you from that. Like there's gonna be a deliverance from that fear. Okay, I think he wants to do it now. Just peace to you.